we welcome you to this Sunday morning worship service of the Boonville Church of Christ. I know that most of you are joining us uh, through social media, and we welcome you. We're excited to announce that we're going to go back to public worship service here at the building on uh, January the 10th, and we hope that all of you can join us at that point in time. Uh, leading us in our singing this morning will be Brother Jonathan Timms. We're excited to have him visiting with us today. Our opening prayer will be led by Brother Guy Gardner. Brother Chris Langley will have our scripture reading. The lesson this morning will be by Brother Ken Forrest. Brother Jordan Coates will lead us as we observe the Lord's Supper. And then Brother Guy Gardner will have announcements and our closing prayer. Would you bow with me as we begin our worship today? Our loving Heavenly Father, we honor you, we praise you, we love you, and we pray that our worship to thee this morning will be acceptable in your sight. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Mm -hmm. Let's all sing together. Praise the Lord, ye heavens adore Him, praise Him, angels in the Yeah. 
sing one more song before we go to God in prayer again this morning. Mm -hmm. Guys, let's start this off. Holy Lord, most holy Lord, we Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, God, with hearts full of gratitude. Father, we're so grateful for our physical families and the time we've got to spend together this past week. And God, we're especially grateful for our spiritual family. Lord, this morning we ask that you please see us through this most recent spike in COVID cases and death. Please heal the sick and comfort those that have lost loved ones. <clears throat> and Father, we know during this pandemic, there's many that are struggling spiritually due to isolation and loneliness. Heavenly Father, please help us as your workers to identify these folks, to administer to them and help them accordingly. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We know we fail you daily. We ask you to forgive us of our sins. And God, please be with us this morning as we worship you. Help us do everything we can to bring, to bring glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll sing two more songs before Brother Ken comes and gives us our lesson this morning. Mm -hmm. 
were despised. You were rejected, Lord, those who passed by. Even the burden gates from inside. Such was the suffering you bore for us. Then like a lamb, a lamb to the slaughter, you spoke not a word, but chose to be silent.
scripture this reading this morning will be taken from Luke chapter 2 verse 52 Luke 2:52 and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version Dr. Luke writes And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man Well, good morning. It's great to see everyone. And if you're watching online, I know you can't see what I can see, but we do have some folks here who are supporting our service. And, and I hope that their singing and participation this morning will maybe help facilitate your worship. We are grateful for everyone who's able to tune in. And I, I will just say this is probably the most anticipated Sunday that we've had in an awfully long time. And that's because this is the last Sunday of this year. 2020 has been a doozy, hasn't it? Now, we can talk about all of, all of the trouble that we've experienced, the frustration, and we're so hopeful for a new year. But you know, there've been a lot of good things to happen too. I think about souls that have been saved, obeying the gospel despite the inconveniences that we've experienced. I know of folks who have responded and returned to their first love. And listen, on a selfish note, Anita and I moved here to Boonville this past year. And regardless of all the bad stuff that's happened, Anita and I are just so overwhelmed with joy for this particular year, at least in that regard, because We've moved to such a loving and wonderful place. I'm glad that you're here. And yeah, it's, it's the end, maybe, I hope, of the trauma of 2020. And I, I think I saw in a meme or someone's comment on Facebook the other day that beginning in 2021, it'll be the first time we can truly say that uh, hindsight is 2020. So be glad for that. Just look back on it and be nostalgic. But we don't want to carry any of that trouble with us, do we? That text that was read for us just now, you know, for some people, that's just one of those transitional texts. It's kind of a pause going from one section to another. But it is full of instruction. And we're going to use that text today to talk about our future, given that this is the last Sunday of this year. We're looking forward in hopes that 2021 is going to be one of those banner years for us. But there are some attitudes that we have to develop, some insight from the scripture that can guide our steps and, I hope, make next year a great success. Before we start that, let's pray together that God will bless us in our study of his word today. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for the blessing of a new day. And yes, of this last Sunday of this year. Lord, we don't even know if we'll finish this day, but we anticipate that we will. And we, we anticipate it in the trust that you'll be with us every step of the way. And if you do grant us a new year, Lord, we do pray uh, more than ever before that much of the trouble that we experienced this past year will be gone and that we will just, we will thrive in the new year. 
And truly that 2020 will be hindsight. Father, we, we thank you for the privilege that we're enjoying right now. Not everybody in the world is able to enjoy, to study your word and to worship together. And whether we're able to be here in the flesh or whether we're participating online or through some other means, we thank you, Father, that we're able, at least in spirit, to be together. And we pray, Lord, that that aspect of our relationship will hold us together. We do pray for those who suffer, and there are many, and many in our own experience and circle of friends. We just pray, Lord, your blessing on them. But right now, in these next few minutes, I pray that you'll help us truly focus intently on your word. And as these songs have, have lifted us up, I pray that now in your presence, through the avenue of your word, that not only will we learn something, but that we will apply something. Help our lives to be better and stronger and more developed as a result of your impact on us. And thank you for that. Help me to communicate it as best I can and be with our hearers in many ways in spite of my delivery that they'll be able to apply it to their lives. Thank you, Father, for every blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Maybe you've experienced it, probably when you were younger, or as a parent, this happens a lot of times when we have gatherings, and usually a yearly event, whether it is like a, a family reunion, or we've experienced Thanksgiving and Christmas, and even with limitations, we still find ways to get together whether it's in person or through the avenue of Zoom, however we do it, we look at those little ones and we say, well, wait a minute, I, I haven't seen you in a while. My, how you have grown. I mean, we're just like, what's happened to this little kid? I, I, I saw last year, it seemed like well nigh to a baby, and now, boy, they, wow, we're just so impressed with the way in which they grow. I read here this text, one of those pauses in the narrative that just catches us up on what's going on in the life of Jesus. The text there, as was read just a moment ago, said that Jesus increased. That means he grew in four different areas. He grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and men. Four categories of growth. Areas that, well, if, if we're really delving into the idea of somebody growing, we want to know about all those aspects. We want to know how they're growing mentally, and physically, and socially, and of course spiritually. This text says, as regards Jesus and his youth, that he was growing in every way that you would anticipate him to, a normal sort of growth. Now, as we are here about to embark on a new year, I think it would be great for us just to kind of take a, take a snapshot of ourselves. Kind of put in our mind where we think we are right now. Or if we could do it as, as much as we are able to do so, maybe just by what we've seen building up to this moment, if we could somehow at least imagine the glimpse that God has of us. 
what does he think of us right now in this moment? Because what I want us to think about is where we'll be next year about this time if God so gives us another year. Will God be able to say when he looks at us, my, how you have grown. Today I want to think of the church, but anytime we think of the church and its growth, we have to think of ourselves individually because the church is made up of all of these parts. I want us to think in terms of our growth and of the need that we have to grow in all of these ways that are natural, all the ways that Jesus grew. Help us, Lord, to be such that when the next year comes around, he'll be able to see the explosion of growth that's happened with us. So let's think about our first need. We need to grow mentally. It says that he increased in wisdom. That's, that's mental acumen. And there are some areas within the idea of our mental health that are quite observable. We absolutely, if we're going to grow mentally, need, well, we need to learn something. I mean, we've got to grow in terms of our learning. In the book of Philippians chapter 1, there's a very famous line of verses, actually three of them, that comprise a prayer. But notice how Paul begins his prayer. He says, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Not just that you love one another, but that that love be driven and, and fueled by your knowledge and your discernment. You know, we, we can have affection for people. We can even care for them. But he says that, that's, got to be, that's got to be maintained within a hedge of, of learning, of knowledge of the Word of God, of a discerning mind. Same kind of thing is, well, it's at least hinted at in Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. In that text, he says that we're to be increasing in our knowledge of God. That doesn't happen by accident. We have to be intentional in order to know more about God, to be instructed in the ways of God. In 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 5, now there's an entire list of things that we are adding to our faith, but you'll notice here he says, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. We have to be, we have to be growing in, in our understanding of the Word of God if ever we're going to increase in terms of our mental ability throughout the course of this next year. We also need to grow in terms of our remembrance. Here's an interesting thing. I don't know if you've ever really taken note of it. Maybe you have. But when Jesus was tempted by the devil, you know, there are three different sections there where the devil comes at Jesus and he kind of, the devil does, kind of tweaks the scriptures a little bit to meet his own needs as he is addressing Jesus. But every time Satan comes at Jesus... Here's the first response that he makes. It is written. Every time Satan comes to Jesus, Jesus responds with the scriptures. But I also want you to notice what doesn't happen here in this text. Satan didn't come to Jesus and pose 
these possibilities and twisting scripture in order to make it fit his own desires and then throw that at Jesus. And then Jesus simply, oh, whoa, 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 hold on there, Satan. Hey, if, if you would like write that down for me so I could take this home and get out my Bible and my concordance and maybe a couple of commentaries and work through that, I tell you what, maybe next week I'll come back with a response. That's not what Jesus does. When Jesus was confronted by the devil, every single time Jesus responded with the Word of God. Now, how did he do that? You know, he wasn't carrying around a bunch of scrolls in his pockets. Jesus had the Word of God written right there on his heart. He didn't go home to check his references. He didn't call up the preacher to find out what the standard answer is. He knew the Word of God. Now, whether or not we can quote verbatim sections of Scripture, and whether or not in the same shoes of Jesus we faced the devil like he did, there are circumstances in our life where, without a Bible in reach, or anybody to bounce the questions off, off of, we find ourselves in a spot, most often in terms of temptation. And the question is, do you know enough about the Scriptures? Do you have enough resource written on your heart, whether verbatim or just simply the, the idea and the sense of the text itself? Do you have enough written on the inside of you to be able to get yourself out of trouble? And I guess really what we ought to be asking is, do we have enough stuff written on our hearts to keep us out of trouble? We ought to be growing in our remembrance at least important text, useful texts that apply to our immediate circumstances. We ought to be applying those things to our understanding, remembering the Word of God. And then I'm thinking, okay, look, I've learned it. I'm going to remember. I'm going to write it on my heart. I really need to understand what it is that I'm reading. Now, we are going to begin a new kind of series next year, a theme we're going to seek and do. And that's based off of a text from Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10. The text there says that Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. Now, right there is the sense that we're getting out here in terms of understanding. Yeah, I, I know the Word of God, you say, and, and I have those concepts written on my heart, but do we really understand it? As in Ezra's case, do I understand it enough that I could share that truth with somebody else? In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17, that text says, don't be unwise, but understand, literally be understanding of what the will of the Lord is. I say, here's God's will. But the ultimate question is, yeah, you know what the will is, but do you understand his will? And especially, do you understand it to the extent that you can follow it? You can apply it. You can live by it. That's what we're aspiring to. In the book of Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 2, there the encouragement is to have a heart of understanding. In other words, have my heart open to the truth that is revealed so that I can take it into myself. See, here's the problem we sometimes run into. Yeah, I understand it, 
but wait a minute, that goes against what I want to do. If I'm writing in on my heart, I'm, I'm opening my heart, I'm submitting my heart to it, then I'm going the step further. I, I'm, I'm giving way to the will of the Lord and setting aside my own will. Psalm 119, verse 169. Uh, one of those texts is far flung in the scriptures, kind of right there in the middle of your Bible. But that text, it, he's, he's crying out to the Lord in effect. You know, give me understanding according to your word. So I understand the will, but I want to apply it. The word isn't just saying here's a fact. The word is saying here are facts to be obeyed and implemented. So if I'm going to grow mentally, I've got, got to learn, you know, I've got to remember, I've got to understand. And I also need to grow physically. <laughs> you say, Ken, whoa, we got that. You know, we just went through Thanksgiving and Christmas. Man, the feasts we had. I'm telling you, I put on 10 pounds. Well, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about growing physically in the sense of some just kind of temporary aspect. When it talked about the growth of Jesus, that he grew in wisdom and stature, that means that normally Jesus was progressing as we would expect him to. And physically, yes. And the physical aspect of us is, I don't know, we don't talk about very much, but it's very significant. The scriptures say, as in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he says, you are not your own. In verse 20, in fact, he goes to actually the explanation of, of that whole idea. He says, you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, I'm just talking practically here. Practically what we're hearing, and you say, I understand English. I, I read that text. I get it, Ken. It says body and spirit. I know, but practically speaking, when we talk about growing as a Christian, we're really, we don't even know what to do with body right there. We just want to go spirit, right? We're going to spiritual beings. We're going to grow spiritually. You know what, I, my, my body's depleting, I, I'm falling apart, Ken, but boy, my spirit's soaring. Okay, th th he doesn't say that God just owns your spirit. Body and spirit, which are the Lord's. So, I'm going to meddle here just a little bit, okay? Because I believe that it's very important that we take control of our physical being just as much as we would take control of our spiritual being. And what I mean by that is, look, I, I should be responsible for taking care of the physical unit that God has given me, that I've had all my life. I've been entrusted. I'm the steward of. I need to see to it, for instance, I don't know, that it gets plenty of rest. You say, well, Ken, there's so much to do. We're so busy, especially if we're working for the Lord. There's no time to spare. Yes and no. Yes and no. And the reason I say that is because of the way God operates. You know, even though God had the power to speak things into existence, and any time we stop to examine it, what God created, we are absolutely amazed. Things are being discovered all the time that we didn't even know were there. 
But with God and all of His power executing all of these amazing things, on the seventh day, what did He do? You know, He rested. He took a respite. He took time out. In fact, He commanded the Israelites under the law of Moses to observe the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. They weren't to work on that day. God said, you, you, you need rest. You say, we need to work. Yeah, you need to work. But many times, the ability for us to work, yes, the quality with which we will do that work, actually depends on having enough energy and stamina to execute that work. So you, you need to you, know, you need take time to rest. Jesus did that. We say he was the greatest teacher that ever lived. Absolutely. He's the walking word of God. No doubt about that. But Jesus, as, as hard as he worked, is oftentimes found taking a little time off, go up to the mountain to pray, out there in the garden, maybe go to Bethany, spend some time with friends away from the crowd. You'd find Jesus getting away from the crowd on a boat. Jesus spent time in recreation, time away from the hard work of the kingdom of God. Yeah, it's day and it's time to work, but also in order to be more productive, we need to take time to rest, be sure that we take care of rejuvenating ourselves. We also need to take a little bit of time for some exercise. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8 says that exercise profits, well, a little. <laughs> but godliness is profitable for all things. You say, yeah, Ken, spiritual. Godliness profits all things. That's why need to be godly. Yeah, you need to be godly. But did you notice he said something else? He said exercise. While it is not the end all answer to everything, it does profit a little. <laughs> so we probably, with, I'm going to call it an endorsement of Scripture, we probably ought to spend a little time exercising that body in order to develop and strengthen its stamina so that it can work to its fullest capacity. You know what? We also need to take care how we feed this body. Now, there are all kinds of things that we can eat and not die from, but not everything is equally as good for the body as other. I can't sit and eat chocolate candy like I did for Christmas all day, every day. That's a treat. To ingest it without control is to open up the door to all kinds of unnecessary diseases and maladies. Here's what I know, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 25. We are to be temperate in all things. Listen, I love the catfish buffet as much as anybody. I, well, maybe not as much as James, but I love it. We're talking about James Hester. Uh, he's probably in the Guinness Book World Records for uh, catfish eating and potato eating. But that aside... Hey, I like the buffet as much as anybody, but I can't hit that buffet every day. Now, why wouldn't I do that? Well, if there's no other restraint, how about this text right here? Be temperate. To be temperate literally means to be self-restrained. In other words, nobody else is responsible for you like you are. So have control of yourself. You know, take care of yourself. Why would I do that? Here's the thing. 
this body that you have, God gave that to you. He gave that to you to carry you through the fullness of your life. I know some people don't have use of that body for very long. Others go well over a hundred years. You know what I want to do? I want to live a long life. Not so that I can get a letter signed by the president that said, congratulations, you made it to a hundred. Nothing like that. But I want to be able in my lifetime to continue to preach and share God's word. This body that you have, compare that thing to the vehicle that you drive, right? It gets you places. That's what your physical body does. It's just... It's just a vehicle by which you might move from one place to the other for the Christian for the primary purpose of sharing God's good news. Now, if I have a vehicle that I want to drive out here on the highway, what am I, well, I'm going to make sure it gets good oil change. I'm not going to put that junk gasoline in it. I'm going to get the best that I can afford. We'll make sure that I keep my tires rotated. I'm going to do the very best that I can to maintain that vehicle so that I can rely upon it going from place to place. What about this physical body? You know, there are people in my experience who have so abused their bodies, usually in their younger years, so young people take note of this, but so abused their bodies that when they got old, they could, practically couldn't do anything. Let's be certain that we do at, le at least the minimum maintenance and care for a body that very literally and, and true for everybody is going to last a lifetime. Whether short or long, this is the vehicle that God has given me. He gave me a body and a spirit, and both of those are the Lord's. Let's see to maintaining it. We also need to grow socially. Now, if you're looking at our text, you'll see I flipped that because he was found in favor with God and men, but it just seems to me it'd be, it'd be kind of the crescendo to end with spirituality. So let's think about ourselves as social beings to begin with. I know that this year has been tough socially, or, or has it? I know that we're not able to socialize in ways that we once were, but let me tell you in my own experience something that has been kind of phenomenal. Okay, so I, I have been involved in the past few years in going all the way to South Africa, which is practically on the other side of the planet, going to South Africa and teaching Bible classes. I, I was able to get on an airplane fly to Amsterdam, then go from Amsterdam, clear across Europe, clear across the entire continent of Africa to get as far south as I could go. That takes two days of travel. But during this pandemic, they still needed teachers in the school that I had been teaching in. So instead of me traveling all that distance, we actually used the technology of the day. We had Zoom meetings every two solid weeks. Twice this past year, I was able to do, in effect, what I had done by traveling all that distance right here from my office, right there in front of a computer screen. Now, here's the thing. Eventually, the pandemic's going to be over. We're not going to be afraid of the virus we're not going to worry that we're going to catch it, or if we catch it, we'll be sure that there's treatment for it. 
But what this has revealed to us is not only, not only can we affect those within our own circle, which we will continue to do, but we can, with technology, reach areas of the world that maybe were untouchable before. You see, God has opened up to our knowledge and our understanding avenues by which we might continue to spread the gospel. We can reach out socially. I want to be kinder to the friends that I have now. Ephesians 4, verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God in Christ forgave you. So I want to maintain the friendships that I have and continue to love them, maybe as never before. I want to make new friends. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24 says that he who has friends must himself be friendly. So we've got to develop a friendly attitude toward other people in order to have them as our friends. And we need to love our enemies. Luke chapter 6 and verse 27 is the text where Jesus says, love your enemies. But Jesus didn't just say that. Jesus demonstrated it. He exemplified it. None may be more than at the end. You know, here comes this mob of people going to take Jesus, and there's a little, little scruff that ensues, and Peter pulls out a sword and cuts off Malchus, who is a servant of the high priest, cuts his ear off. And Jesus is like, oh, is it okay with everybody? I guess he picks up the ear if Malchus doesn't have it in his hand already. He reattaches it. N not really just reattaching it. He restores it back, maybe better than ever. You see, he had a heart of love for an enemy. Luke 22, verses 50 and 51. Or maybe the greatest example of that that reaches throughout all time is Luke chapter 23 and verse 34. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. That's a prayer over those who were gambling for his clothes. If we're going to grow in the next year, we're going to have to have a social mindset. We've got to grow in that area. And finally, as I mentioned, we also need to grow spiritually. To grow spiritually means, well, kind of like what you have stated in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, very last statement of the book, that we're going to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's spiritual growth. That's unfettered growth in the knowledge of Jesus being the Lord and being our, our Savior, our, our Christ, our Messiah. I, I want to grow spiritually more than anything without neglecting all of these other areas. So I know, I just can speak personally here, I need, I need to pray more. I want to be the ultimate reflection, and I hope you do too, of 1 Thessalonians 5.17, to pray without ceasing. I want to read more. I want to ingest the Word of God more. I want to be the reflection of 2 Timothy 2 verse 15 to be that person who has given himself to the study of the Word such that it's like he's rolling up his sleeves, being diligent in the study of that Word of God, be a, a workman uh, in the Word of God. And I also want to be that kind of person that gives more, especially to the local work as it is reaching out to an entire world. 
2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly nor of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. I want to be a great giver. And I also want to be that kind of person that, in the knowledge of the Word of God, can resist temptation. Because no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with each temptation will provide the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. All these areas that Jesus grew in are areas I'm hoping we will grow in. Anticipating a new year, right now is the time to make the commitment to growth. I hope that this time in 2021, we will be able to say, listen, God looked at us and here's what he said. My, how you have grown. I don't know if this has happened to you or not. We didn't do it so much, but I had a cousin who was fanatical about it. They had a post in their house. Now, it might be a post, it might be a door, it might even be the wall. But every year, she lined her kids up, my cousin Debbie did, and she marked on that post their height. Here's the interesting thing about that. You can go look at it today, probably look at the one that you have. You will notice that every single year, your child grew. That's because that's the natural course of things, to grow. If our Heavenly Father had such a thing as that and were measuring our growth, would He see that we progressed or regressed? Will you pray with me? Our Father, we thank you for the privilege and benefit of studying your word. I pray, Father, that you will help us in this coming year, if you will grant it, that we will grow as individuals and as a church body. That we will grow mentally, we will grow physically, socially, and spiritually. And Father, we do pray more than anything that when you look at us, you will see that growth and you will be pleased. And Lord, help us to help one another in that process. I pray for those who are coming to knowledge the truth about your son and are ready to obey the gospel. I pray they'll have the courage to do that. I pray for those who are examining their lives and realize that they have walked away and are ready to come back. I pray, Lord, that we can facilitate those glorious returns and commitments as quickly as possible. In Jesus' name, amen. As we progress through our worship service, uh, we come to our time of communion where we gather around the Lord's table and we uh, remember Christ, his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And to prepare our minds for that, we'll sing a song that I believe uh, tells of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection better than 
better than some. We'll sing in Christ alone together. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, for every fiercest crowd and storm. What heights of love, Testament uh, where was prophesied about Jesus and his death. So I'll be reading from Isaiah chapter 53 this morning. <clears throat> Who has believed what he has heard from us? 
And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned, every one, to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. ask that you focus on uh, this passage that was read and uh, as we go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father God, we're so thankful that we can come before you this morning, uh, that we can take our minds back to the sacrifice that was made for us, turn our minds back to uh, Jesus coming and suffering and dying so that We all could have a pathway to salvation. We're so thankful for this, God. We ask that you would just help us to examine our own lives and to um, partake of this bread, which represents Christ's body, in a worthy manner, God. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. give thanks for the cup. Heavenly Father, likewise we want to ask you to bless this cup that we're about to partake, uh, which represents the blood that was shed. The blood that was shed for the whole world, God. Uh, We ask that we would also partake of this in a worthy manner, and we're so thankful for this sacrifice that was made for us, God. Again, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
As always, we want to, uh, we also set aside and give as we've been prospered on the first day of each week, and there's many different methods to do that. Uh, I don't remember what they all are right now. Uh, but I know you can take a check to the bank, you can bring some money up here, you can, there's, there's, I think you can go to the website, uh, there's several different methods. If you would, please pray with me as we give thanks to God for what we've earned. Heavenly Father, God, we're so thankful for our material blessings here. Uh, we know that they're not our own, and we ask that you would help us to remember that as we, as we set aside a portion to give back to uh, to, to you and to the work that is done for you here, God. We ask all these things again in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> Threw a guy off his game a little bit. I don't know how how typical it is that we do a closing song here. I know we don't typically do one even at my home congregation, but growing up I know we always did. It's good to, to end on a good note, no pun intended, but before Guy dismisses us and closes our worship, we'll sing one more uh, one more song. Mm-hmm. Take the name of Jesus with with us this morning. It's always great to have Jonathan back with us visiting, lead us in song, and we thank you, Brother Ken, for that wonderful lesson this morning. Uh, The only announcement I have that's been given to me is what Brother Jim said at the beginning about uh, worship returning in person on January 10th. 
We look forward to that day. That is two weeks away, and good Lord willing, uh, we won't have any more interruptions. Uh, if y'all will bow with me, we will close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we again thank you so much that you allow us to worship you. The blessings you've given us are countless, Father. We pray that we will grow in this new year that is to come. We pray that we will grow in the ways that you've designed Christians to grow. God, we ask that as we turn the page to a new year, that you please remove any bitterness or resentment from our hearts and minds. And God, fill us with the fruits of your spirit. Fill us, your children, with love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control as we move into a new year. Help us as individual Christians be the lights that you designed us to be. And God, please be with the Boonville Church of Christ and help us grow and become the church that you want us to be. We love you, Father. We ask you to forgive us where we failed you. In Jesus' name, amen.